Welcome to the Suburbs. I'm Kim. I'm Juice. And, and this, this is Suburban, Suburban Pod. Pod. We're just two bougie Negroes trying to figure out how to express our blackness in white spaces. Follow us on Twitter at Suburban Pod. And follow us on Instagram at Sub underscore Urban Pod. All right, enjoy. What you do today? Um, I slept in like a motherfucker. That sounds like my yesterday. <laughs> well, I had um, I actually ended up having yesterday off too, but I was not feeling good. Oh, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was not feeling good at all, and just dealing with personal stuff. Like, my granddad ended up having to have um emergency surgery. So my mind was just completely wrecked when I got to work. Um, and my department head saw it on my face and she was just like, just take the day. So, um, it, which ended up working out because that was my seventh day in a row working. They scheduled me for a seven day stretch. And I was like, I don't know who y'all motherfuckers think y'all are. Y'all got a bitch fucked up. But <laughs> <laughs> don't do this shit again. Um, and then, of course, I checked the schedule and... It's going to happen again starting Thursday. I'll be on my second seven-day stretch after um, another. Um, so it worked itself out. Ended up only doing six out of the seven days. But I wasn't feeling good. Um, for one, Sunday, I went out and got fucking wrecked with Quitney's ass just on accident. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I power through my hangover. It's like I never call out because I'm hungover. Me too. Um, <laughs> Alcoholic. <life>. So, <laughs> but on on top of the hangover, I was just having my monthly and emotional shit. I just really needed to lay down. Um, so I, I spent most of the day just like in the bed, binge watching Shameless <laughs> um, and sleeping. And then today I got my life together. Finally got my nails done after like six weeks and any woman knows if you wait six weeks to get your nails done you basically out here like a bald head scallywag um <laughs> got my nails done cleaned up a bit probably gonna clean up some more later and just refresh my life <laughs> before this other uh, stretch starts and then next week i'm out to cali and they actually scheduled me on the day that i'm supposed to fly out so they're gonna get a rude awakening wow <laughs> on that day but it might be your last day working <laughs> <laughs> no because i still need a job um nah man fuck it <laughs> <laughs> yeah my ass gonna be at burger king why you talking about fucking <laughs> flipping burgers fam <laughs> Um, is that Kim on the fries? Okay. <laughs> what you want, fam? I got you. No, but yeah, that was that was my day yesterday and today. Um, all I can say is I really appreciate having days off. Yes, very much so. Like I've I've only been back on a regular 
one job kind of mission for three months now and days off are just like I don't know how I was doing it without days off it's because your body gets into a routine and so you get used to it so you don't think about it yeah I was like literally thinking back I was going like 21 24 25 days no off day every month (laughs) when you text me about that I thought about the after when Chance died, I went three months without off day. Isn't that crazy? You're mourning on top of you're working literally every day at the same time. It's ter- It's literally like the worst thing to do for your mental. And then I finally, I did get a vacation. And I went to my brother and Angie's house in Indianapolis. And I just slept. I had not gotten full sleep for so long. It's crazy what your body will get used to, but your mind won't. Like, mm-hmm. your body can get used to getting up and going to work every single day, no day off. But after a while, like, your mind will be stressed. It's just like yesterday I was off, but I uh, woke up at, like, 6, thinking I had to go to work. Didn't have to go to work. <laughs> so I would put my ass back to sleep. Yeah. I didn't, uh... I did a little running around yesterday. Like, I tried not to sleep in. So I went, got some groceries. I went, ate some mangoes. <laughs> Damn. I was going to say you could have invited me, but I wasn't in good shape. <laughs> and, uh, what else I did? Just chill with the Cooper. Uh, wash clothes. I did wash clothes. That's what I'll be doing tonight. Um,. But yeah, just pretty every day. Monday. Now I do have to work third shift this weekend. Mm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Define third shift. 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. Lord, have mercy. And then I'm off on Monday. Okay, so we can record you. I'll get off that morning. I think I get off at 5 next Monday. Yeah, so that that worked perfectly. I, I get to go home, sleep for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. I might be dragging ass next Monday. Though. <laughs> you might have to carry the episode. Get you a monster and come. Yeah, I get off at five on the dot next Monday. We both will be tired. <laughs> That'll be my fifth day in a row of work. So actually, well, actually, now that I'm looking at this shit, these niggas, they scheduled me for eight days in a row eight starting on Thursday. Eight days a week. What? Who? Got you fucked up. I mean, (laughs) obviously I'm calling out on the day that I'm getting on the plane, but still. (laughs) Um, I've only called out once. I've called out once so far, which is more than I've ever called out um, in in a three-month period. You know what? I'm sorry. You know what the other thing is? Um, You get used to bad work habits when you work so much. Yes. You don't take you get time comfortable for with yeah. Like I saw this thing where people were like, I think like forty or fifty percent of people in America don't feel comfortable taking a lunch break. I don't have a lunch break. You just gotta eat whenever you got time. Mm-hmm. And you get used to stuff like that. Or uh... that was me when I had two jobs. I was literally squeezing a break in between both jobs. Yeah, that shit's for fucking birds. 
And the bad thing is we both went to college hoping that we wouldn't have to do, do that shit, shit like that, yeah. And then the real world said, guess what, bitch? Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um The ultimate hustle. Yeah, but Yo, let's start a fucking school. Like that way we can rip off people and then make so much fucking money. <laughs> If that don't sound like a Gallagher ass hey, uh, scam, sometimes you just gotta get your con artist on. <laughs> I will not be a part of any of these shenanigans. I remember one time me and my brother were really drunk, and I told him we needed to start a cult. <laughs> wow, bro! You know how much money you can get if you tell people if that I God told just you been to... a fly on the wall. Yo, that shit was funny as during fun. that drunk ass conversation. Okay, Huntsville. Yeah, somebody gonna think we record this shit in like San Andreas on uh, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft. <laughs> Sound like Kim got five stars above her head. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we were definitely at Chance's house, and we were definitely drunk. And then we were talking about how we could make like a whole bunch of money if we could just start scamming people. And I looked at that nigga. And I was like, Yo, let's start a fucking cult. And he was, he had this look of like that shit sounds like a dope idea, but that shit is also crazy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not um I'm not enough of a bitch to start a cult. That's the only bad thing. Like I I have like if I could just turn off my conscience. Right. Cuz you that. have to have no moral compass to do that kind of shit. Yeah. Cuz you know that you're leading people in a fucked up way. Yeah. So I only just, for your personal gain, right. either financially or mentally. I couldn't do that. If you could, that would you? No. Are you just saying that just because you know it's a bad? Well, thing I'm to just do? trying to really think about like what I what it would actually do for me. I just I don't know. My guilty conscience is just too strong. Like I couldn't. Oh, mine is. Too. I couldn't benefit financially off of something like that. But like. Just because, like, I studied history and, like, fucked up people. You know that the ways of... I, if I if I had no conscience at manipulation. all... Manipulation. I could do a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah. I just realized how crazy this is going to sound to somebody else. You're <laughs> like, yo, Jesus, some wild shit. This nigga dark and twisted. Bro, I've come to the conclusion that our podcast is dark as fuck. It is, but just because it's real. I think it's funny too though It's relatable It's funny to us Because we both have like a weird Sick kind of sense of humor Now my friends have said That they think it's funny Like Casey thinks it's hilarious Casey has a dark sense You know this way Speaking of that Shout out to everybody Giving us uh, Like either reviews Or comments Yes please leave reviews It helps us a lot Yeah we're trying to make the show as uh, user friendly as possible. Yeah. One idea we have floated is the idea of giving a bad advice section, mm-hmm. where if you decide to take this bad advice, that's on you, my nigga. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask us for help. You know what I'm saying? But our, uh... if it's something really serious, we won't we won't try to lead you astray. 
But but for the most part, we just out here trying to figure shit out too. So right, we're not a moral authority. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Please do not lean on us. Yeah, we ain't gonna try to get you too fucked up to where <laughs> you can't like reverse the shit that we told you. <laughs> but just know these are jokes, my nigga. Yeah. Um, um. So we'll have a bad we'll have a bad advice segment. Y'all can send. Um, questions or stories or whatever to suburbanpodworks at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Also, like I'm gonna say this and look, hey, bro, if y'all got good music that's like you are actually good with it, like you can send you can send those in the DMs also. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. If now, you know some local people also that got good music, hit us up with that. Now, what were you going to say? Um, that's going to be hard for a nigga like you, though, who just knows all the music in the world. <laughs> you could be going through this shit like, nah, I already heard this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When, when I had my blog, it wasn't really like that because it was so many people that just have music yeah. that are undiscovered. Or people that literally are just trying to get on and they're like, any look is a good look for them. Was it I wonder if, um, I wonder if my homie J-Hop will let us use some of his stuff. Have you listened to his stuff? Sir Hop, ATL? Yeah, I did, yeah. He got some good shit. He does. Um, what's that other dude? Uh, J- is it Jay? It's not Jay Wild, is it? It's somebody that is from Huntsville, clearly. That people we both know have like shout outs, music and stuff on Spotify. Oh, I don't know. But yeah, if you got good music or you got some help, you got a podcast or something you want us to listen to. We trying to build a community, man. We working with each other. Yup. We all we got. HSV. Gang, gang. <laughs> <laughs> She was the one who got me on the um the stereotype about the strong, you know, slash angry black woman. And I'm just gonna pull up her rant because it was it was a very detailed Come on, Instagram. Okay. She just reached out to me and was like, oh, yeah, I got some podcast material. I was like, what's up? <laughs> Give it to us. Um, I would just like to state that Morgan is a very gorgeous white woman. <laughs> um, <laughs> just so y'all don't think that everyone who writes in that kind of has our same mindset is black or we only get support from from you know black people we get support from everybody and there are more people out here who understand our perspectives we are the world and i think it's important for people to know that okay we are the children. anyway so this is what she writes she said i ain't in in any position to even comprehend the struggle of any minority but a huge issue i have growing up in an economic status lower than others is America's way of handling quote unquote black women especially. I grew up how I grew up like I said which luckily let me see people as people 
and I get overly offensive overly offensive when I hear she's a strong black woman go fuck yourself this statement (laughs) is still a stereotype (laughs) to women of color when I hear it I hear scared white people trying to convince themselves and those around them that they're okay with black women having having any kind of female rights opinions rights or opinions on an even playing field with white women I hear fear in people's voices because you know the second that strong black woman quote unquote acts out of turn with what they're comfortable with they'll immediately revert back to being scared quote unquote scared of the black person who got loud quote unquote look at fucking serena williams right now it's not a woman upset not an athlete like fucking white ass McEnroe who cussed out everyone that dude used to go in and we applaud him as a tennis player for it She's the strong, angry black woman acting out of turn. Let's just call a spade a spade. They're all scared of women. Their rights as women taking a stand, but the scariest is a black woman. I admire her because she's a strong black woman. Okay, but why do you admire this person? Do you know anything about them or is that term just a scapegoat for you convincing yourself you ain't racist? Mm. So I was like, damn. So... Basically, I responded back and I said, the strong black woman rhetoric is so heavily used. I can't even really talk to people about real problems. I have most times to almost any of my friends, especially white ones, because they just expect that I'll figure it out and be okay. Even if it feels like um, it even feels like they don't care, which I know that can't be true for all. But I don't get to be as expressive in this world without being dismissed as overly emotional, yet strong enough to be able to move on efficiently. It's gaslighting in a way. And I told her, I said, I'm glad you are not only noticing this, but you want to talk about it. That's exactly what we need right now. So um, I just wanted to talk on that. Like, I I really appreciate when people outside of our ethnic group can see how we're mistreated and they want to do something about it. Because... To me, it just it's confirmation that it's not um, it's confirmation that number one we aren't just out here crying wolf, but also that it is noticeable of how we are treated. Um, that must be a keen. Oh my god! Yeah, just I'm oh, sorry. Lord have mercy. Um. <laughs> It's just, it's just confirmation that other people actually do notice that we are treated poorly in this society um, as a whole. But the strong black woman slash angry black woman stereotype is really crippling because, like I said, I can't be as expressive without being labeled one of those things. And it's really crazy because... If I am trying to express myself, then I'm super emotional. But y'all just out here throwing strong black woman in every situation. So it's like, which one is it? <laughs> How am I overly emotional, but also strong black woman? Like right. that to me, that just means that, you know, that I have issues, but you don't feel like dealing with them or you don't want to hear them because it makes you uncomfortable. Right. Um, but why though? Why does it make you uncomfortable? that I too have life issues sometimes. 
because part of it is because it makes people uncomfortable to have to deal with somebody else's emotions, especially on things that they've never had to deal with. Like, if you think about with people when they deal with death, like, this is kind of weird, but it kind of ties back. <laughs> like, when uh, somebody dies in somebody's family or something, if somebody hasn't experienced certain things, they try, it's kind of, they're kind of aloof. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to say something to either make you upset or they really just don't know how to deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a common human thing for things that we can't relate to. But see, that's the thing, though. That's the key word is human. So why is it that other races of women are um, more accepted when they're emotional or more catered to when they're emotional than black women? Because black suffering has a certain white people feel a certain way about black suffering because they feel a direct connection to that suffering Mm -hmm. and the cause of that suffering Mm -hmm. that's what I was hoping you were going to say it's a deeper level to it right it's it's partially what they call white guilt Yeah, but it's also that they know enough about the suffering in, in our communities for them to have to build up a wall to why they aren't fighting against it. Mm. So it's, it's a similar thing with men, how we know the ways that we have participated in misogyny and other toxic uh, behaviors that we have to build up a rationale to why I'm not a fucked up person. Right. So it... It's uh, it happens across all demographics to some degree, but it's something special about blacks, dark the suffering of darker skinned people mm-hmm. in all societies, really. Mm-hmm. Even like when people think about like Africa or other places, it's the same thing. Yeah, and especially as a black woman, the intersectionality of dealing with um feminism and minority double minority yeah being the double minority and at the same time also being the most educated uh demographic of people in america at least right and uh having to deal with that while being considered a double minority Mm. plays on your conscience yeah so it's it's complex, but also at the end of the day, I think it's because people don't want to feel that they're engaging in oppression. Yeah. Yeah, see. It's just, it's crazy. I literally had a moment a couple of weeks ago where I was just just sorting out my own emotions and I had to tell myself, like, no one cares. Get over it which sucks but at the same time like it's kind of real you know like there's only so much emotional um empathy that people are willing to give or have anybody really but especially people that they feel are i don't know inferior yeah yeah and then too um I've noticed that even when I'm just like talking to to friends about stuff or if I mention anything about um, 
race or just any certain like oppressive type situation I could most times like feel my friends or whoever I'm talking to about that kind of thing just like disconnecting yeah pulling away yeah yeah so it's just like I can't even (laughs) right I can't even talk about it because in my in my mind I feel like they're thinking like oh she thinks that everything is about being black and this that and the other because I try to explain this to my friend Kayla about like I think I've said it on here before her dating experience and my dating experience have been vastly different and I feel like it's because she's white and I'm black and she's like no I don't think that's it and I was like what other reason is it the other thing is people are afraid to realize just how deep race actually plays into the yeah their life and the lives around them especially people who because her specifically like she's dated you know outside her race pretty much all her life she um she was from virginia so like to her i don't think she actually sees that there's an issue because she's been so open and because she's had these relationships with you know other men of color and whatever so those people i think especially have a harder time connecting with with those kind of facts also uh, not to say anything but when people date people of another race they because this their partner, they believe that they understand certain mm-hmm. things about their relationship that they don't necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. Like even if you like go even on a date with somebody of a different race, like went to see a, went to a Kevin Hart movie uh, with a white girl once, mm-hmm. and the looks that I got from mostly black women was something that I noticed, but the girl with me didn't notice. That happens a lot with me too, or it has happened because I ain't been on no damn dating forever, but <laughs> that, that I noticed that too. I also wanted to talk about that. My friend Josh actually sent me like a meme about how black women react to black men dating outside their race. And I don't know why or what it is. Well, I kind of know. I kind of have a, a feeling that I know what it is, but black women get angry when like especially men of a certain status like a celebrity or whatever date or marry somebody that's not black and I don't understand that because we as women once again being the double double minority we aren't as afforded as many um, opportunities and things outside of the norm as freely so it just seems like for us to be the people that want freedom to be who we are and do what we want to do why would we get angry at right also well i have one thing but two things really um have you been paying attention to the things with doja cat Mm -mm. the girl that did the i'm a cow move i didn't even really get into all that she's a very talented artist and um apparently she had said some very homophobic things and that gave her to run and then also um she had said something to the fact that she only dated white men so collectively black men canceled her <laughs> but then also yesterday she somebody posted a picture of her performing and they saw that she was thick as fuck so so she uh, was uncanceled so yeah a collective <laughs> of black men uncanceled her okay um but here's the other thing cancel that <laughs> <laughs> but um 
back to what you were saying about uh, dating outside your race. I don't. I ain't gonna lie. When I was younger, I did feel a certain type of way. Like if I was C. Like, all right, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. I felt a certain type of way when we were in high school. I feel. <laughs> Why did I knew this was coming? But it was because I was immature. And well, what were your thoughts then, and why were you feeling something? It wasn't anything personal. It wasn't anything like I thought. Well, she's a fucking traitor. I know that there's a collective thought though, like you and your homies or some other people had a lot of shit to say. Yeah, it was mostly just like surprising. Yeah, but also I think it was. um... All right, we'll be all the way honest. Be all the way honest. (laughs) People felt. That you carried yourself a certain type of way, like you were better than other people. Yeah. So they kind of played those angles together. Mm. Mm. That's definitely not true. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not true, but I'm saying a 16, 17 year old me. Yeah. Had a completely different mind state. And it, it was fucked up. So I'm yeah. going to apologize. You've, hey, it's, you know, we have grown. <laughs> Um, people have always thought that I've I was stuck up or snooty, and I really wish. I feel like I've definitely been misunderstood because, honestly, like I was just shy mm-hmm. for a long, long, long time. But also, when women find, like when men see that a woman is like beautiful and stuff like that, if. Also, when you're a teenage boy, you think the world revolves around fucking you. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, why wouldn't this fine bitch want yeah. to get with me? Yeah, everything is personal. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you internalize things and you project things on other people mm. that is not natural. Mm. So I think that was part of it. But also, I didn't. I don't think anybody ex- ever expected me to date anybody, honestly. I think that was part of the shock because I wouldn't. I never like had boys numbers. I don't know. Like I felt like if you had showed up with some model type looking dude, it wouldn't have been as many fucking haters. <laughs> like, like I'm being dead serious. Like if you had showed up with some dude that was like some dude that men can honestly say that's a good looking cat wow. without like them feeling yeah that you get what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that's usually the thing that ends it all. Be like, I mean, <laughs> like. So I think if it was that, but it was like, it was just like, wow, I didn't see that one. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. But also, I didn't, uh, I didn't really... Because some of the experiences growing up, I didn't really uh, try to pursue dating somebody outside my race. I didn't either. But you know what the crazy thing is? I think I probably would have been better off. If, I, <laughs> if you did? When I was younger, yeah. Definitely. Because it was such... It was only like 10 black girls <laughs> in our grade that were dating dudes at Buckhorn. Yeah. Everybody else was dating somebody at Johnson Ever, or yeah, Spartman. Yeah, that's true. Spartman and Johnson had all the Buckhorn girls. This is true. So, 
Hold on. Also, if I had, if I had just had my shit together, I just knew that I wasn't like I knew I was going to grandma. I knew I wasn't gonna be here. I don't know honestly what I was gonna do. So I wasn't having. I wasn't trying to build any relationships with people because I knew, like I I knew I wanted to hang out with my close group of friends as long as we had. Like I knew I wanted to hang out with Akeem, Doug, Tyrus, and Austin them. Yeah. While we had time. Yeah. Because I was like, yo, oh shit, ain't no point in getting in a relationship with no girl and be somewhere far off. Yeah. And so it was just like, yo, just hanging out with my homies. Good old Tyrus. <laughs> Tyrus was quiet. But but then not. <laughs> Tyrus would also turn up on your ass. Hey. <laughs> T-Row Turner. <laughs> Turner would be in a different way. Tyrus, Tyrus would whoop your ass. <laughs> and then be just chill about it. He ain't going to talk shit. He just going to whoop your ass. Is he just... still in the military? I think he's out of the Navy. Okay. He he definitely went uh, the straight and narrow, yeah. which I wasn't expecting. Not that he was like reckless ever, but I just never thought that he would be a military type type man. But it looks like it worked out for him. Yeah. He got what two kids? I believe so. Yeah. Mhm. That's what's up. Um. Damn. Looking back on high school shit is always hilarious. What is the craziest like thing you thought like in high school that now you're like, oh, craziest thing I thought like how like, like just something that you could think of that you're like, wow, really like my mind state was really like that. Um, I I used to think that like being. What's the word? I wanted everybody to like me. So I used to like make sure that I was kissing ass on both sides of things. Like kissing ass on my white friend's sides and kissing ass on my black friend's side because I just wanted to be liked. But I shouldn't have like focused on any of that at all. Because I feel like I didn't really get a chance to truly be myself. That's that's one thing I'm actually glad that I did get to do. Like I don't like I don't want to be popular, but I just didn't want to be like thought of as the weird girl or just thought of as somebody that nobody noticed. Like I just wanted people to to like me. I was known as the weird person, but that shit actually was dope as fuck. I don't think you were weird. You got to remember when we first got to, like, to high school. Eventually things changed. But I was definitely ostracized. <laughs> For a brief period, I was busy. Thomas Glenn blamed me for him going to another school. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I was busy. I wasn't really. I literally, like you said, everything revolved around me. I was just thinking about like I wasn't even worried about anybody else. I told you my impression of you. What was your impression of me then? If you didn't think I was like this weirdo, I just thought you were one of the regular niggas. Like you had your group of friends. I had mine. Our groups didn't really like cross, cross but you didn't. To me, looking on the outside, from the outside looking in, it didn't seem like you were ostracized. I think also it was because like that was more so like eighth and ninth grade, but I started like I did kind of start kissing ass just to be like 
be, I guess, likable. Yeah. Not like to be like, oh, he's different because I still was. Oh no, I got to be my be myself pretty pretty well. I felt pretty comfortable in my skin, especially then. I didn't. But like, I also was like, it was fun for me to be like the the dude that just listens to crazy music. Yeah. And then be like on some like on cool shit and stuff like that. Like yeah. that was my whole like thing. It was just like, yo, as long as I can be like that person to me and people that know me, I don't fucking care about anything else. I was more so just trying to be like the hip hop nerd. That's the skis I was going for. See, that's a good that's actually like a cool thing to wanna be in high school. Like I was too worried. I like I, I just wanted to be liked, and I wanted people to think I was pretty, and that didn't happen until senior year, and it was actually kind of overwhelming. Um, everybody thought you were pretty before that. No one said anything. I, I mean, I remember people used to make people used to make fun of me for my glasses. Like literally, I cried to my dad one day, and that's why I came back senior year with contacts because. Everybody made fun of my prescription, and I was so self-conscious about it. I still am kind of, but if I have to wear my glasses, I just, I don't give a damn. But, like, that, I used to be so, which is probably why I was shy, but I used to be so worried about if anybody saw, like, how strong my prescription was. You blind as fuck, ain't you? Yeah, I'm pretty blind. <laughs> I'm a negative, negative seven in both eyes for anybody that's wondering. I have no idea what that means. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's okay. A lot of people do, and they'd be like, "Damn, I need to get my eyes checked bad right now." But yeah, from but, from my perspective, it didn't seem like anybody was really paying attention to me. I mean, I was occupied though, so it didn't really get to me. But there were I, times where it would. I've also found that uh, women that are better looking have a harder time realizing when people are into them per se. Hmm. Besides like the the fucking creeps and the people that go above and beyond to be thirsty as fuck. Yeah. Like the nuance to like oh he kind of has a crush on you. Like it seems like y'all don't really pay attention to that the way that people around you may. Uh, uh. So you feel like nobody's trying to holler at you except for like the weirdos that are like yeah. Damn girl like, I mean <laughs> it, it, That's a, just another Perspective thing Like yeah People holler But it was never The ones that you wanted So it just felt Like no one <laughs> But I mean Honestly I can't really That even... kind of sounded obvious but... <laughs> but that's Everybody's perspective though It is But it's <laughs> um, just funny I can't even really Count though How many People actually Tried me To To be honest like how many people actually truly had a crush on me? But you also gotta remember you were intimidating as hell. I never thought so. Everybody you else was. So. I was intimidated by everybody else. So yeah, but that you gave off a like, you gave off a different vibe from that. I mean, oh. now looking back, I'm sure I, I I see it now. Yeah. But I wish I could just shut that off because I think some people still say that I give off an intimidating vibe. And I'm like, I wish I knew what it was that I was doing so I could not do it. Because when you get to know me, like, I'm a cool ass dude. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not stuck up. I'm not snooty. 
I have bougie tendencies, but I'm not very like, bougie. <laughs> I'm not like who you think is bougie or me or you? You. Really? You're the one with your own place and a dog and and yeah. I think you're bougie. Yeah, and you're a Caribbean food addict. <laughs> oh my your, god! Your music knowledge and your history knowledge and the way you be schooling niggas on Twitter and <laughs> you you are a bougie bitch. <laughs> oh my god! I am a bougie bitch. <laughs> knowledge though, it's just knowledge. I am like a craft beer, like asshole. Right, yeah. Like, huh, you're drinking Bud Light? <laughs> Comes in here with a beer from Atlanta. <laughs> hey, bro, this Dr. Robot go hard. Dr. Robot Blackberry Lemon Sour. <laughs> That's a bougie bitch <laughs> product. <laughs> oh, my God. So, um. Me. I was straight hoping that you were going to say you, but I am bougier than you. <laughs> You are. Let's just face it. You don't socialize because you're too good for these hoes. <laughs> you have to keep. You have to protect your uh, your aura. So you just be in your house. Oh shit. <laughs> oh. Me, I'm just out here reckless as hell. <laughs> like me, like me. I'm just like man, fuck everybody. I'm the coolest person that I know. Right. <laughs> Like, nah, I don't need that energy fucking mine up. Let me just stay home. Like each week, like, what you do this weekend? I sat home. <laughs> Bougie prissy ass. Yeah. I, I went and got Cooper groomed last week. <laughs> what makes me bougie though? I don't think it's you're not really bougie. You're just I'm trying to think. You're well put together, like as far as style and then like shit like that oh, but, you're so, but you're so like laid back that it's like if you didn't know you I'm sure that would feel intimidating yeah so what what do I have to look like on the outside to not be intimidating it ain't about nothing about you so it's nothing outside. I can it's nothing I can do you can't hide that boo boo thank you you got that uh, Bruce Leroy glow <laughs> Oh, wow. speaking of that, somebody we know, uh, they're on Bumble, and they ran across your profile, they're like, she fine as fuck. Who? Somebody you wouldn't expect. I've seen you on there. Who else have I seen that I know? You seen me on there? Yeah, it was like months, months ago when I first got it. Maybe even last year, shit. Yeah, I did do it. I was like, look time. at Dennis out here. His, his plaid shirt. Bang. <laughs> um. Who? Wow. He's like her makeup is uh on fleek. <laughs> <laughs> he would never tell me that shit in person though. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Like we. That's the nigga. We homies. We all in the same homie group. <laughs> um. Definitely not trying to put that nigga's business up because that nigga will never talk to me. Again. Hey, that might help his DMs start popping. But it is 
is weird to see how somebody's pers- like self perspective is. Yeah, is completely different from everybody else's. You know how I noticed that our perspectives are so skewed of ourselves is if you ever look back on old photos, like mm-hmm. five years ago, I thought I was just like way too fat, and I'm bigger now than I was five years ago. Me too. And it's just crazy to think that like. You look back on yourself and you're like, damn, I actually was cute. Bruh, I got one picture that I'm just like, yo, if I had the level of flyness and with this body, how long ago was this? Five? Damn, nigga. You look so young. I know. I had the Kendrick Lamar haircut and everything, bruh. <laughs> like, I was swaggy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, bromance. Man, bromances are probably like one of the coolest relationships ever. And I, this is why I love having guy friends because it's just something different about a bromance. It's like... I can't even explain it. It's because with dudes, you can... You can, you can tell like your real best friends exactly how you feel. But like, and then if they get all sensitive, you'll be like, all right, you're acting like a bitch. <laughs> and yeah, like flip it on them, and they're not like men aren't as emotionally needy. That's, I mean, that's a given. Men are emotional, yes, but they aren't as emotionally needy. I feel like I find a lot of my girlfriends being so emotionally like downtrodden, <laughs> and and it's only so many friends that I can handle with those emotions at one time. And I don't feel like I ever really experienced that in any of my guy, like, like at any given time, I can hang out with one of my guy friends and not talk about anything that has to do with emotional distress. (laughs) But almost every time I'm with one of my girlfriends, it's about something emotional. As somebody who has a lot of friends that are girls also, that's definitely true. And I get it, like... You know, women have to have a sisterhood and we relate because we're women and whatever, but I just really enjoy my guy friends. Might disagree, but men's loyalty to one another is way deeper than women's. Yeah. Men will know that their best friend is cheating on his wife. And won't say shit. Won't say shit. Now, he might say shit to him. Like, the friend, like, yo, you know you fucking up. We'll never say anything else. Or men can sleep with the same woman and have a fight, and but become friends again. Where women will never—they will always have beef with somebody that slept with somebody they slept with. I think it's because women compete against each other, and I guess things that in ways that men don't. Yeah, like we can we compete for like on bragging rights, but also like we have like our lanes, whatever we're good at. That's like our lane where we compete. See, that's how I am. Like, I feel like there's been so many instances where I'm just with certain groups of girls and they'll say, oh, like, we can't show up with Kim because we won't be noticed. Or, you know, always checking on, like, what I'm going to have on to make sure they on the same. And I'm just always in the lane of, like, I'm just doing me and doing what I feel comfortable doing. Like, I'm not focused on trying to outshine anybody. Like, I just want to make sure I feel good <laughs> and right. I feel like when pe- if, if women can just start focusing on what makes them feel good they wouldn't have to worry about other women yeah like 
because literally I was that way before and then I just stopped giving a fuck because it just it wasn't healthy you hung out with enough guys to understand yeah their way. <laughs> I think that's really I think that's really what it was like I started and it started it started with y'all but then it kind of continued in Auburn and then I started living with two guys my last years and it was just easy to like not have to think about like oh, what are they going to wear when we go out? I got to make sure I'm not the butch friend or, oh, like, <laughs> like that's, that's one thing I cannot say, and especially at this age, like, what are you wearing? Like, okay, this is what I'm wearing. I'm doing this. Okay. Like what, so how should I do my hair? And I'm just like, child, just do, you know, who? <laughs> you know, what I just realized Chance was the bad bitch in our <laughs> Chance I, would definitely be like, I could see that, that? laying like, out would, t-shirts on the bed and shit. He would like we were sh- me and my brother would show up to his house and then he changed his complete outfit. Yeah, like that's how he always was. And it's just like, and but see, it kind of it makes me. It doesn't annoy me. It almost makes me feel bad. Like I don't ever want to. I don't want to show up and make somebody feel bad about themselves. <laughs> like we thought that shit was just dope. Like yeah, we embarrassed that nigga. <laughs> Yeah, you feel uncomfortable wearing that that's, shit? That's just never my intention. Like, I just just do what makes you feel good. Because if you do that, you'll be fine no matter where you go. Like, I used to go out to the club with, like, flip-flops, shorts, and tank top and not give a damn while other girls would be in full-out tight dresses and heels and full face. And I'm, like, not caring because that's what I was comfortable in at the moment. Like, my extended group of friends, though, we're... We have a different relationship from even other bromances, but it's a lot of want to be bad bitches in this group too. <laughs> uh, Travis for one. Travis Terrell. Ooh my God. <laughs> Thomas. Just niggas' names that start with T just all got a complex. <laughs> what is it? What is that about? That is true. Uh, it's a lot of want to be bad bitches, man. Yeah. I saw Thomas's tweet the other day that said I would quit my job if it wasn't for my expensive habits or some shit. And I was like, look at this nigga. It's like when we were in Wisconsin, he was like, I'm a peacock and son of a bitch. <laughs> or when him and Terrell were fighting over taking a picture in that damn fur in this in this in this stole. <laughs> and then like that was funny too, because everybody was like uh, I can't wait for that memory to resurface on my Facebook. When he, uh everybody <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, I want one of them now. <laughs> like, I got a video of Thomas talking about it. He's like, because Angie allegedly gave him the fur. I don't know if Thomas just stole it or what. That's what bad bitches do also. They steal clothes. Right. But he was like, thank you, Angie, for this darable fur. <laughs> I will not give it to any of my hoes. <laughs> Bruh. But, yeah. It's like, what, 15, 16 of us? Yeah. And it's like Wu-Tang plan. <laughs> pretty deep. It's a pretty deep. I just really need for y'all to um, accept me and start inviting me to the bachelor parties. That's all. I just want to go to one bachelor party. <laughs> I want to be in somebody's wedding as a groomsman just one time. If just, I get married and I'll marry you, you could be my groomsman. Okay. <laughs> so I just want I just want to wear like a nice like good woman suit, you know. And or if you decide to marry me, 
if I decide. Yeah, I, I've been ready. <laughs> I I thought this would like I thought you knew I've been ready for, since I was like eighteen. All right. One day it's gonna work. <laughs> One day. Okay, it Steve work. Urkel. Hey, bro, Steve Urkel got her. Now he almost died out in outer space and came back. <laughs> Viola Davis. Um, they asked somebody at like she was having an interview, and they had one of those things to where uh, you can ask her a question if you uh, email it to her. And then, so one of the questions was, "Have you ever?" Wait, let me. <laughs> Damn, it's a fundraiser in here. It, I was in a hurry. <laughs> I know niggas have loose change in their pockets, but loose bills. Bad bitch alert. Do you have a wallet? I do, but I don't. Hey, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean pocket watching, bro? I'm over here counting these dollars. Give me that twenty real quick, though. You didn't reach for it quick enough. <laughs> That's that old uh, parent thing we got here. And just reach it and then they don't pick it up. Right. But um, Viola Davis had, somebody asked her, have you ever, I think, been passed up on a role that you wish you could have gotten? But um, she was like, well, no, but I uh, wish I could have not taken a role. And that role was her part in the help. And there was pearls uh, clasped to people's chests <laughs> left and right. And uh, clutched pearls. People felt a certain type of way because some people love to help. Mm-hmm. And the people that love to help have one thing in common ain't none of them black. <laughs> 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 because, have you, all right, first off, have you seen the help? Yeah. I've seen it multiple times. What were your impressions? I of think that? I read the book too. Yeah, I read the book. Um. Well, when it first came out, I thought it was great. But um, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and I definitely understand where Viola is coming from. Um, it was it was a it was a great movie, but. It wasn't like really anything groundbreaking as far as that specific narrative. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody has known for years that black women have raised white children and taken care of white families and you know what I'm saying? Struggled in a white world. Um so I mean the the actual storyline was not shocking. Um, really, like now that I say those words, I can't really tell you why I feel like it was great. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's it's definitely like whitewashed as fuck. Yeah. Um, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> when I first was made aware of the help, the book, uh, I was in college, and I, 
was super militant in college. <laughs> yeah, I was also in college. So, uh, and the movie came out, I guess, like 2012. I The reason I, it's going to sound misogynist, like just out of context, but I had read a book, It's Dark, I can't remember the name, It's Dark at the End of the Tunnel. It's about black women and the civil rights movement and about uh, the widespread rape and uh, abuse of black women in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And it talked about, uh, I believe her name was Claudette Colvin. She was a, uh, she was the first person to get kicked off the Montgomery bus and it predated Rosa Parks like six months or something. But they didn't choose her for the movement because she was a 15-year-old child mother. I mean, 15-year-old teenage mother. Mm -hmm. But the book just talks about all these instances of maids specifically being the number one targets of men in the household. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, to the help's credit... There is one glimpse of that being true. You know when... What's her name? Octavia Spencer. Mm -hmm. She's working for that one couple. And at the end, she's walking and they're like, girl, you need help with those bags? And she starts running Mm -hmm. and yelling. Mm -hmm. That's what they're alluding to. Yeah. Because that was widespread. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Um, So I felt like it was very... It was erasure at a, a certain point. It's taken away the the reason that women like that would have been scared of putting their stories out is because they could have been raped or killed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that they were going to get in trouble and people were going to say no. No, it was an actual violence behind that. Yeah. And also, um, yeah, I might have to edit that whole tweet thing because that's going to sound real crazy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I feel like it was an erasure, like most white savior movies are, that it makes it to where, see, this one good white woman, uh, helped all these, uh, stupid, uh, black people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she was the hero, and then it's always, like, I always feel like if it, if, like, if a civil rights movie doesn't make white people feel uncomfortable, you can't trust. Yeah. My favorite civil rights movie is Rosewood because that shit is fucked up. I don't think I've seen that. Rosewood. If you watch Rosewood, you'll you'll you won't want to see white people for a week. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that good. That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's very dangerous. Um. But yeah, it's the ultimate white savior movie. And the fact that TNT shows it every year on Dr. King's birthday makes me want to punt the TV across <laughs> the fucking uh, living room. What's another white savior movie that's popular? Dangerous Minds is the ultimate white savior movie. I was going to say um, The Blind Side. That's exactly what I was leading to. Now, uh, the other white savior movies that I had was uh, uh, Freedom Riders. Okay. Hillary Swank. Yeah. 
where she uh, teaches the uh, ghetto kids about Tupac and his poetry because yeah. ain't no and way kids in the 90s would have known who the fuck Tupac was. Dissolves her marriage. For, yeah. For, I'm going to do it for the kids. Which I didn't think was necessary, but... They, they are, that's another thing about like the white savior positions is they always make it seem like it's a noble cause. The yeah. white savior is just sacrificing so much when it's like, if you think that they sacrificed a lot, that means that you don't actually know how much privilege they had because for the, for them to be in the positions that they're in without having to sacrifice much means that they're, they're okay. They're good. But also... <laughs> To play devil's advocate, that also exactly shows how much privilege they have. That they would choose oh, yeah. to go to yeah, yeah, the yeah. worst place. Exactly. <laughs> um, the fact that you have choices. The only movie that I hate more than uh the help is the blind side. Because mm-hmm. that is the biggest amount of bullshit I've ever fucking seen. And people get mad when you say that. But they took him into their uh family and they gave him uh clothes and all this shit. Like, okay. The actual people that did it, good for them. They did something noble. They helped another person. The movie is straight up fucking bullshit. It is. And Michael Orr's character, his him, acting was fucking terrible. And they make him seem like the dumbest. A dumbass. Yeah. I, <laughs> I hate it. I could not. It was cringeworthy. I will never watch it again. No. And then people get mad. And like, I love that movie. It shows how beautiful people can be. Yeah. And then for it to be like about being a football star in is another SEC. right. It's another like, and you know, like in the scene where they uh, make it to where when uh, the person is, uh, I believe the uh, the NCAA is investigating them, and they're like, so why is it that they want you to go to Ole Miss, mm-hmm. and then they make it to be like that person is being the antagonist? Mm-hmm. No. Why the Why? fuck yeah. would you uh, bring in a all-American line, lineman into your house to go to the, your alma mater? That sounds fishy. Feels like a scam to me, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I just... Ugh. And, and then the fact that Sandra Bullock won the Oscar. I, let, I have no problem against... I don't have a problem against the actors that play it. Because I think it does come from a certain part of they they don't understand fully how people are gonna feel about things. Mm-hmm. But it's just so cringeworthy when she goes looking for him in the hood. Oh my god! And they're just like, "Yo, bitch, what what you looking for?" Like, and she pulled out her her gun and shit. Like, that's like that's like white uh, that's like white supremacist like wet dream. Yeah. That this uh, powerful this white southern woman white woman just pulls her gun out against these yeah. thugs. Yeah, it's like some real like shit like that that bothers me. I think they um they made her like the the Stepford wife of the South, right? Like petite blonde, gat toting, pistol holding, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, feisty. Um, it's, and then I did see where the actual Michael Orr felt a certain type of way about that movie as well because he was like they made it seem like he didn't know anything about sports or anything, 
Like, he was a varsity athlete in basketball and in football. Like, he was already, like, Michael Orr before they met him. Mm. So, like, to make it seem like he was just this dumb jock who lived in bad circumstances and they rescued him is bullshit. That wasn't going to have any other success or a future in in things other than sports. Michael Orr probably still would have made it to the NFL without them. Did it make it easier for him? Definitely. Did it help that he had people of means in his corner? Of course. And I'm not going against that. But the glorification of the white savior is especially in Mississippi. Sending him to Mississippi. Ole Miss. Oh, shit. Ole Miss rebels. They... That is one crowd that I could not stand that came to Auburn outside of LSU. <laughs> I hate LSU too. Speaking of that fucking game this weekend. Yeah. I was watching it at Stan and Kathy's house and Tori's husband's an Auburn fan. Yeah. He was sick. Bro, I, I was at work, so I was already... I, I hate being at work when we have games early because we- I'm like... <laughs> Y'all already know it's Auburn up in this bitch, okay? Um, mm. I hate not being able to watch the game, but I especially hate looking at the final score while I'm at work and it's some shit. Like, it's a one-point game. I'm like, what the fuck? What happened? As an Alabama fan, I wouldn't know that feeling. Okay. Nah. And in true Alabama fan fashion, Next. I definitely did go to the college and I'm definitely an Alabama <laughs> fan. Right. Meanwhile, Kim actually went to Auburn. <laughs> Actual alumni. She could actually say we. Right. My money's still Mm. tied up by them niggas. (laughs) So, but yeah. Mm. Mm. Shout out to Auburn. I mean, to Alabama A&M and Gremlin. Because my money's is over there. Yeah, fuck Sally Mae. Yo, Sally Mae, bitch. Or Navy, as like all true scammers, they change their names. Right. (laughs) Um... Navient Department of Education. <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't go to Alabama State. I straight was going to go, but they were on some bullshit. Yeah. That's why my parents encouraged me to go to Auburn because they went to state. And they knew. <laughs> like, they went to state and my mom worked at A&M and she was like. And that's a shame, too. I think more people. It is a shame. I, it, it is widespread problems in HBCUs, but also. They give you a piece of that black struggle. Yeah, <laughs> I really. I, was definitely I still want an HBCU experience. Like it's always grad school. I want to go back to school just to go back to an HBCU. That shit is lit. Um, but yeah, my mom was literally like, I'm, "Honestly, I'm glad you got into Auburn because I know administrative wise everything will be fine. I know your financial aid will be taken care of. <laughs> like." I know you will never have no issues. And I was like, oh, okay, I didn't get it. But hearing like other friends' stories compared to mine, I'm like, damn, first of all, y'all got to stand in line. Second of all. Hey, bro, don't, <laughs> hey, don't talk about financial aid line like that. You Second see, of you, all. You see niggas, all your classes, what up, bro? You got that <laughs> right. shit done? Nah, they still fucking with me, man. Hope you get all right. Bruh, that... That struggle is so real. Yeah, I never could never relate. 
See, this is why people think you boo. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Can't relate. <laughs> Listen, I can't help my past experiences right now. Right. It's something, but that's the whole thing. Like, it's like you crossing for four, five, however many years it takes for you to get out. <laughs> and then when, they, when uh, it's time for you to uh, walk across that stage, you act a fucking fool. Yeah. It's because, nigga, I made it. Man, I didn't even, uh, yes, I did. I walked. I walked a semester before I actually graduated, though, because the semester that I was supposed to graduate, um, <laughs> some bullshit happened. Oh, so you, at your uh, white school, bullshit happened? Well, it was, it, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So what you say it is, it don't matter. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> But yes, some mm. bullshit happened. I had to go back and take one stupid ass PE class. Ain't them got me too. White, black, no matter, bro. Schools are scams. <laughs> like this is true. Like as we started this podcast off, schools are definitely scams. Yeah. The HBCU would get you just as quick as these uh, PWIs. <laughs> Now, I was talking to this guy, and he one of these Negroes that you think that automatically black shit is like uh, inferior. Mm. So I was like, yeah, uh, I was telling him about how most of my friends, either they went to like Auburn or they went to HBCUs. No, I said either went to HBCUs or the only PWI they went to was like Auburn. He was like, what's a PWI? It was like a predominantly white institution. He was like, then why don't you just say all other colleges? He was an older black dude, but I wanted to be like, nigga, because <laughs> <laughs> not all other schools are white schools. Yeah. I was talking about a specific school. I yeah. wasn't talking about, like, if you say something like Ivy League schools or Jesuit colleges or things, there are different types of colleges. Mm-hmm. You can't get in your feelings when you say historical black college or, or PWI. White yeah. It's an easier way to differentiate. Yeah, it is what it is. And plus, nigga, you gotta know that lingo. It just makes sense. Like, the fuck? What you get all your feelings for? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's community colleges out here. It's junior college. Like. But that's how narrow-minded some people are. They're taught that everything black is bad and everything white is good. Mm-hmm. And black people suffer from that just as much as anybody else. Yeah. I yeah. used to I used to suffer from it when I was younger. Yeah. Like, what should have Um... Like, I used to, because I was such, like, a nerd about shit, mm-hmm. like, superhero movies, and I was such a huge Star Wars fan. Like, only niggas we had was Lando Carissian and Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson and Billy D. Williams. What? Mace Windu. Why does his name sound familiar? Samuel L. Jackson in Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey. Fun fact. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson was the only person with a purple lightsaber. 
because he told George Lucas he wanted to be the only quote the only motherfucker with a purple lightsaber. Okay, I can see that. And also, I think on the lightsaber he had a BAF. Badass. Wait, BAMF. Okay. Badass motherfucker. Bamf. Um. What was I getting ready to say? We're talking about um. I was going to say something about Star Wars. I think the only thing I really know about Star Wars is the music. Mr. John fucking Williams. Because we played, um, we played Jupiter in high school, no, middle school, which is probably one of my favorite movements of the planets. Um, what is it called when there's multiple songs in one? Oh, Lord. I can't think. I... Oh, you're talking like real music theory. I'm not. Yeah. Um Yeah. John Williams is a badass. Yeah. What instrument did you play? Clarinet. My mom was a clarinet player in high school. I was pretty damn good at it too. Mm. Maybe at our wedding you could have a solo. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep Right. You just keep My mama on. told me that if I put it out then God may listen. If you speak it when two touching, let's touch it. Look, let's touch a degree right now, my out. nigga. Get the fuck out! Oh, non-church going ass. What is? What is suddenly spring? What is in my convenience? You like? Well, you know the Bible says. Okay. Um. I know the word. I just. <laughs> hey, my nigga. Yeah. Same. What else was I, I had on here? Oh. So. I, was, I put, we should talk about the balance of living life to the fullest every day versus living life with, and I have plenty of time mentality. Excuse me. Because Sam posted something on Facebook. Um, I wonder if it's still here. Scroll back through my notice. Let me pause this real quick. Okay, so Sam posted this, and it's pretty relevant. Um, it says, reminder that 30 isn't old, which is why it's relevant, because both of our asses is creeping up on 30. Reminder that 30 isn't old. It's very normal to not accomplish everything in your 20s, and that it's never too late to learn that thing you've always wanted to learn. You're always growing. That's a good thing. And there are screenshots of comments that say, who the hell accomplishes everything in their 20s anyway? Who made that a thing? I was 48 when I started my apprenticeship to become a tattoo artist. I was 50 when I married the love of my life. You've got time. And someone commented and said, you know, I needed this right now. Uh, Someone else commented and said, I didn't get my first book published until I was 38. At 53, I'm about to sign a contract for my 10th. You have time. Thank you for this. So I said, I said, you know, I get these posts being motivational but I always have to question how do we know we have time because I feel like we're we're always living in this limbo or in this Venn diagram of you have time and you don't know how much time you have so what how the fuck are we supposed to (laughs) live our life like that's an everyday struggle for me it's the same thing for me and I wonder how many other people think like that because you know we're taught to plan for the future I feel like more than we're taught to actually seize the day, we're taught to plan for the future. You gotta, you gotta save. You gotta make sure that 
the career you're going into is going to have a good 401k for when you are done working and you got to make sure that if you have kids, they're going to be set up right and your insurance and if you get married, insurance policies and this, that and the other. And I feel like everything is always like a step towards what's next. But how are we supposed to actually enjoy life if we feel like all we have is time when we honestly don't even know that? You know what I'm saying? And I know that's kind of morbid, but it's real as fuck. Like, <laughs> I think is why lately I've been more okay with just going out on a Sunday night when I never used to do that or I don't know like I just always feel like I'm I'm in either boat I'm either like okay I really need to you know have this amount of money by next month or I'm like fuck it I'm spending it all and not you know what I'm saying like I'm going for broke nigga <laughs> You know, like, I get paid in six days. Like, I could be broke for that long, for you know, to get these shoes or to get this vinyl or, you know, like. Oh, you collect records now? What do we? No, I want to start, though. I feel like it's a cool collecting thing. It's vinyl. It is. It's addictive. Yeah. I was reading. I don't know. You posted it. Somebody posted it. But they were just like, um, people who collect vinyls. Oh yeah, I did. The was need, that you? Yeah. yeah. The need to uh, somebody else. They were like the need to have to show have people in your house to, to show, show off people your records. Yeah. And then I was like, yo, that's why you could use social media just to show it, but you also may be setting yourself up to get robbed. Yeah, but I mean, showing it on social media media isn't as cool as having people over because you can actually play the shit for them and give one, them an experience. That was one thing. Like when Akeem stayed with me. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna put this record on. We just listened <laughs> to uh, Childish Game, you know, Awaken My Love. I mean, that shit was cool as fuck. Honestly, nigga, if you was out here dating, that would be some cool ass shit. That's the other crazy thing. I, I got all this cool ass shit. If somebody played, like, was just like, let me put this vinyl on real quick, I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, what you doing later? No, sir. <laughs> Good night. See, that's why this shit don't fucking work. <laughs> if somebody like you literally just said something that would be cool as fuck. I offered that experience to you. Like, nah, nigga. <laughs> fuck that shit. Mm. Ladies have an excellent vinyl collection, and I have two record players. Yeah, get it, get it, my nigga. One in the living room. <laughs> get hey. you a nigga who got two hey. record players. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Holler at a player. <laughs> hey, my friend Michael has a lot of vinyls too. He collects. He got like a pretty extensive. I want to say he has like six or seven of those. You know those plastic crates. Mm-hmm. Shit, he might have more than that. Honestly, like I have. Uh, How do you store yours? I have a uh, a record cabinet where I keep the ones that I actually play the See, most. This is why you bougie. <laughs> a record cabinet And then I have uh, well, If you just look at my record cabinet I've got a myriad of selections I'm about to show you Because uh, in my uh, kitchen I have a, a Postmodern architecture in there you, I'll be a dead fucking serious <laughs> That's why it's funny And then like I also have like a, I have like a 
hundred records at my parents' house. And I don't have. Damn. I think about it. Yeah, I need to get those. Um, but then I also have a record crates that, like, you know, the DJs carry. Mm-hmm. I have one big one that carries like fifty. Yeah, but I was just thinking about like when I actually get my own place. I want to have like a cool collection of something and I was like the vinyl is really cool to collect honestly yeah but the only thing is like all the new ones people are fucking ripping like, you off yeah like 30 40 dollars for a brand new record yeah now they're very heavy and they'll probably last a while but still it's just like yeah and my parents have uh crosley that they never use i'm just like i'm definitely picking that up and taking that with me now the only thing that did suck was my parents when they moved here they got rid of like all their shit so they got rid of all the records so i had to start from scratch damn and then like i devoted like three years of my life to this clip yeah your boy is sick your boy is sick hey that's a cool ass table that looks like some ikea shit that's like original my nigga uh, yeah that's the Kanye and Carl's uh, poster uh, is this um Sammy Davis Jr. it's the Rat Pack yeah okay I see I'm sorry I couldn't read the words remember I'm negative seven in both eyes <laughs> when mid-century modern meets the cool <laughs> bro I am fucking bougie <laughs> as fuck <laughs> Uh, and you wonder why you have the friends that you have Travis, Thomas, and Terrell The three T's And those are just the ones we can name off bad You fit right in My brother has very mad uh, Bad bitch tendency oh. Like after after they got married And he put his oh. hand out <laughs> Oh Does he? He got more records than me probably All the shit he's been talking about on Twitter lately I think I've been calling him out like Mr. Bad Bitch uh, <laughs> over here. <laughs> well, he posted something the other day. He was like, my favorite whiskey is... <laughs> yeah, he's he's so articulate. <laughs> That's like... My sister's like that too. Like, we all think we some bad bitch. So thank you guys for tuning in today to Suburban Pod. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Kirby Brown Girl. And you can find me at a kid named Juice. Some of our music today was provided by our good friend Corey Battle. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJC Battle. New episodes available every Thursday.